All right. Uh, amen. Well, church, I, I, man, I've really enjoyed this series. So we're, we're, we're talking about things we don't talk about in church much. And, and the, the church has a tendency to just do what we do. And we kind of expect you guys that walk in to catch on. So like we, we just sing and people come in for the first time. They're like, why are these people singing? That's awkward. And uh, we take up offering and, 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 and collect tithes. And you're like, I don't know what that's about. And then we dunk people in the water. And again, what, is, what are these people doing? And so we thought as we entered the new year, it'd be really helpful uh, to just explain why we do what we do in church. And that's what this series is about. So, so far we've talked about and why we sing. We've talked about why we pray. This morning, we're going to look at why we study uh, God's Word. And so I, I think the Lord has a lot for us. Um, I'm going to pray. Uh, you need a couple things. If you have a Bible, I'm in Matthew chapter 4 this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read the first 10 verses there, um, kind of halfway through the message. So Matthew 4. Also, we're going to ask you to take notes. So if you got one of these when you came in, that's cool. Um, you can take uh, those old school notes by filling in uh, the bulletin if I can open it. Uh, we got kind of fill in the blank. Uh, notes and you can write down sermon stuff or you can use our digital notes uh, same way you do the offering scan the QR code and uh, and we're gonna ask you to take notes now if you just join us you're like why are these people taking notes again part of worship right and we, we're, we're here to study God's Word so worship is particip participatory so when we sing we sing when we pray we pray when we give we give and when we study we actually study so um, you guys get ready I'm gonna pray for our time in God's Word father um, thank you for your word it is good it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Um, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, and that is what we need. Uh, we want to be like Jesus. So Holy Spirit, come now, fill our pulpit. You are our teacher and our guide, and teach us about this Jesus. Teach us about his word, and teach us from the inside out that we might be changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Um, so guys, this week, I just want to kind of start with the same disclaimer that I started with last week, and it's just this reminder that this series is about why we do what we do. It's not about how. So last week, I talked about why we pray, but I didn't talk about how to pray necessarily. Um, and, and so this morning, we're going to talk about why we study the Bible. I don't have time uh, to do that and also talk about how to study the Bible, but... Starting next week, we have a six-week class that will do just that. And so uh, if you want to learn how to study the Bible, Pastor John is teaching that class during this very time at 945 on the back porch. It's a six-week course. Now listen, if you are one of those people that you already signed up and, and you're serving kids men and, or you're serving in youth or, or you're a greeter or any of those kind of things and that's going to mess up with your schedule, we've got good news for you. We're also offering it online. So instead of six weeks, that'll be a three-week deal. Uh, each, each class is about an hour. You can break it up, you know, and do half an hour at a time. Um, but it's really cool. That is already available on our website. So if you go to our website and, and you go to the events page, you can actually see the How to Study the Bible curriculum. So uh, we're really excited about that. So uh, with that being said, this morning, though, we're talking about why we study the Bible. And there are four reasons, guys. Here is the first. And we study the Bible... So we can know God and ourselves. We study the Bible so we can know God and ourselves. The Bible is God revealing himself to humanity. That's what it is. The Bible is, is the creator of the universe choosing, not, not being forced to, guys, but choosing to reveal himself unto his creation. The Bible is, is how we know who God is. The Bible is how we learn what God has done. The Bible is how we learn what God wants us to do, right? 
It's how we learn about his plans. It's how we learn about his purpose. It reveals to us how much God cares about us, how much God loves us. It, it, it shows us his plan to redeem us. Jesus talks about how the scriptures work in this fashion after his resurrection. He's on the road to Emmaus walking with a couple disciples in the Gospel of Luke. Um, they're kind of arguing about what's happened that day. And uh, because after all, the women go to the tomb, the tomb's empty. So they're like, what do you think happened? Where did Jesus go? What's going on? So Jesus walks up on them. They don't recognize him. He's kind of, uh, I don't know if the resurrection body has a cloaking mechanism or what, but they, could not, they, they couldn't see that it was Jesus. They didn't understand and so this is, this is what he said. He, he says, what, what, are, what are you guys arguing about? He goes, are you, they say, are you the only person in the area that doesn't know what happened today? Jesus of Nazareth. The, the women went to the tomb and the tomb was empty. I, did somebody steal his body? What's happened? So they're trying to figure out. And Jesus responds to them this way in Luke 24, 26 through 27. He says, wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, haven't you guys read the scriptures? Like, did you not see that my father revealed to you that all of this had to happen to me? And it was talked about throughout all of the law and the prophets that I had to do these things. So, so that's the first reason we, we study the Bible, right? Is it, it teaches us who God is. It teaches us uh, what God's will is, what God's plan is. But it doesn't just teach us about God, guys. The Bible also teaches us about ourselves. Can I ask you a question this morning? You ever just kind of felt like something's off? You don't talk about it with others because you think that would stand out. But kind of secretly, you feel like, something's not right, that no matter what you do, that something is, is missing, that no matter what you turn to, you can't seem to really find contentment, right? You ever feel like there has to be more to life than what you're experiencing right now? Waking up every day, going to work, going to school, going to sleep, and repeating the same thing over and over. Like there's gotta be more purpose than just having a job and making money and collecting stuff. Have you ever, have you ever thought, like, I, I wonder why I do the things that I hate? Why is, is life so hard? Why do I keep falling into the same things? I, I want some, you ever wonder why there's that pull going on in your life? Well, guess what? The Bible explains all that. The Bible explains what is wrong with creation and what's going on inside of us. It tells us that God made us in his image and that God made us to be with him. It tells us that we rejected the right rule of God even though we, humanity was in a perfect place that, that we didn't trust God and, and because of our sin, because of our rebellion, humanity was cast out of the presence of God and, and, and when you can't be in God's presence, you can't experience his life and so death entered the world because God is holy, Right? And the Bible says from that time on, God began to pursue us. It, it reveals the plan that in spite of our rebellion, that God loved us. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to do for us what we couldn't do, to live the life that we should, and to redeem us by a sacrificial death on a cross. And it explains that anyone who believes in him can become a child of God. 
the Bible teaches us that what we're missing is a relationship with God. That what we long for is to be God's children. And that our purpose, after knowing Him, is to help others know Him too. And in doing so, we find ultimate fulfillment. Right? The Bible also says that this perfection that we long, this wanting to be like Jesus that we long for, won't be completed until Jesus returns. Meanwhile, we have to fight daily. Meanwhile, we battle temptation daily. And even those who are children of God will fight between an old nature of the flesh and a new nature of the Spirit. And that's what life looks like. Learning how to surrender to the Spirit so you stop doing the old things of the flesh. And the Bible says that even the best Christians throughout history have struggled with that fight. That's what's wrong with us. You go, whoa, the Bible talks about all that? 100%. So the first reason we study the Bible is it helps us know who God is, but man, it also helps us know who we are, what's been going on inside of us, all those questions we've wondered but never wanted to say, okay? Guys, second reason we study the Bible is so we can stand firm against temptation from the devil. We study the Bible so we can stand firm against temptation from the devil. The devil, and, and this call to stand firm against the devil uh, and, and, and against the temptation that he lies out for, it is all throughout the New Testament. I'll just give you a few. Ephesians 6.11, uh, Paul writes this, Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Uh, James would write it this way in James 4.7. He says, Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Peter puts it this way. He says, be sober-minded and be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world, a.k.a. you're not alone. The devil is real. He's trying to devour you. Look out. Resist. Stand firm. Right? So the question then is, well, how do we, how do, how do, we do that? It, like, the call is clear. Stand firm against the devil and all his schemes. Stand firm against the temptation of the devil. But then how do we do that? Well, luckily, Jesus teaches us how. And, and he doesn't do so just from his mouth. He does so by his life. Uh, I'm in Matthew chapter 4, guys. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'll read through verse 10. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay? After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then the tempter approached him, and he said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, Then the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Now notice this, the devil knows the word of God too. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they'll support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I'll give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Y'all, Jesus tempted by the devil himself. By the way, we all face temptation. It's not usually from the devil himself. Maybe from like one of his little minions, one of his demons. I mean, the de- like the dude in charge down here, the devil himself, Jesus looking face to face. And how did Jesus fight off temptation? How did Jesus stand firm? And the answer is through the study of the Word of God. Every time the devil came at him, including when the devil misquoted Scripture, which he will do to you, Jesus responded by quoting the Word of God. And that is how he stood firm. Some of you, I'm going to say this in love, I love you, you've been fighting the same thing for a long time. You're like, I don't understand. I don't know what's wrong. I just seem to be so weak. I can't. Well, one of the things that's wrong is you've got to find a scripture that speaks to that fight and you need to memorize it. And if you can't memorize it, then you write that sucker down on your skin. Yeah, the pastor just said get a tattoo if that's what it takes. I don't care, but have something to stand firm against the devil's schemes. You've got to find a way that when he comes at you in that area, and y'all, we all have areas. When he comes at you in that area, when he is attacking you, that you can say, no, God says this. So you go back where you came from, right? So we study the word of God so we can know God. We study it so we can know ourselves. But we also study it so we can stand firm against the temptation of the devil. So we can stand firm against the temptation of the devil. Third reason we study the word of God. We study the Bible so we can renew our minds. We study the Bible so we can renew our minds. And again, this is, man, really important to our spiritual walk. This is found kind of throughout the New Testament. Paul is, is, is preaching this to every single church he writes to uh, almost. Listen, he says this in Romans 12 too. He says, don't be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. How do we discern the will of God? It's right here, written in black and white. And if you've got a cool Bible, red. Okay? It's how we discern the will of God. It's there. It's there. Philippians 4.8, he writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, he says, dwell on such things. Dwell on such things. That word in the Greek, it means to take into account. Like, listen, if if there's anything true, if there's anything honorable, if there's anything just, if there's anything pure or lovely or commendable or or of moral excellence, take that into account. Specifically, that word is, is linked to the thought of weight. Let those things weigh on your mind, not other things. You guys came in this morning, and I can I can see it, some of your faces. You've had a lot weighing on you, amen? Maybe there's financial hardship, maybe it is sickness. Anybody else walking through that one? Woo! We're just going to keep giving it to one another. Let's do that, right? I, I don't know, maybe it's laundry is weighing on you. Just cannot do enough of it. 
But what should be weighing on you are not the thoughts from the devil, are not the pressures of the world, but what we should give the most weight to, the Word of God says, is the good stuff that comes from above. We should let what weighs on us be the stuff that is true and honorable and noble and praiseworthy and excellent. The stuff that's, that's morally excellent, right? So we dwell on those things. In Colossians 3.2, Paul puts it this way. He says, just set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I like that because it's so simple. Just think about what God wants. Set your minds on those things. That, that's the key. That's the key. And here's why all that's important, y'all. So to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these instructions. We're going to talk about them. We're going to break them down. But this is why, why our minds are so important. He says, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to Christ. So there's three words there I want to point out. So we'll start from the bottom. We take every thought captive to Christ. So this is about our minds. Okay? So renewing our minds. Our minds are really important, is what Paul says. And then he says, up against the knowledge of God. That's also thoughts. He says, we demolish arguments. What are arguments? Those are thoughts. This is all thought life stuff. Paul's going, listen, your thought life is really important, and it's important to do what? To demolish strongholds. You say, well, I don't even know what a stronghold is. I'll, I'll share with you my, my belief in what a stronghold is. Okay? Listen, Scripture's really clear in this. We are all made up of mind, body, and spirit. All right? Don't, don't believe me. Look at the greatest commandment. This is what Jesus says. I think it's out of Mark, Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, okay? With all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Mind, body, spirit, all there on display. This is called the greatest commandment. Love God with your whole being, okay? So sometimes we have a problem uh, in, in, in church. We tend to think everything is just soul-related. Just all spiritual, uh, and, and so we have a tendency just to just talk about spiritual stuff. We never talk about the physical. We don't, we don't ever talk about our mind. Uh, we don't talk about the desires that come out of our heart, which uh, the Bible says is really important because our heart's deceitful above all else and beyond cure. It talks about how we need to guard our mind, put on the full armor of God, wear the helmet of salvation. All these things are really, they matter. And so I want to kind of show you a diagram of how this all works, what a stronghold looks like. And so, uh, so here's a diagram. So the world would call this um, CBT is what the the world calls it. it. It's cognitive behavioral therapy. Kind of came up with this diagram. Um, I'm going to tell you why they stole it from Scripture uh, in a moment. They, they didn't really stumble upon it. God already kind of knew. Uh, but, but this is what they've, they've come to learn. People that study uh, human behavior have figured out that our thoughts, our behaviors, and our emotions are all interrelated and they feed one another. So it's, it's not just that they're interrelated, but they all feed one another. Meaning... If you think a wrong thought about yourself, okay? So let's just start right there. You, you have believed at some point that you're not worthy or that you're unlovable, okay? So you have a wrong belief. That wrong belief is going to lead to both wrong feelings and wrong behaviors, 100%. And then when you feel wrong and you behave wrong, that reinforces that wrong thought. And you begin even more to believe, see, look, just look at what I've done. 
I mean, look at how I feel. I am completely unlovable. There's no way that God could love me. Look at me. And it just gets worse and worse. And then not only that, those emotions also uh, reinstill those behaviors. And it becomes this vicious cycle that becomes nearly unbreakable. We call that a stronghold. You say, wait a second. I just read something about demolishing strongholds. Well, that verse about demolishing strongholds had everything to do with that first thing with our thoughts, right? With our thoughts. It, it literally says, up against the knowledge of God, we take every thought captive. So our thoughts are really important. So, so here's what studying the Word of God does, ready? It takes those thoughts and it replaces them with the truth. So when we study the Bible, we come in conflict with what we have thought about the world, with what the world has told us about itself, with what the world has told us about ourselves. When you study the Bible, I promise you, you will open up the Scripture and something you have believed and thought about yourself or about others or about God, you're going to find something that stands against that. And the Bible is true. It's God's Word. It is 100% true. And so, so what we do is then we replace, we go, oh God, so that's, that's the truth? Well, God, if your word is true, then this other thing isn't. And what happens is the word of God begins. You see that effect? See that green working its way down? And then eventually, it, it works its way all the way through. And then it changes the way that we act. And the more that we change the way that we act, because we've changed the way that we think, the more we change the way that we feel. And the more we change the way that we feel, the more it's reinforced that I am a child of God, that God is not finished with me, that God doesn't start a work that He doesn't finish, that I will overcome, that this world is not my home, right? And all of these things, now my lifestyle now, you say, well, that looks like a stronghold too. No. Well, I mean, yes, but a stronghold of sanctification, right? It's God doing a work in me. That's who we long to be. I, I would say that is a picture of abiding in Christ. That is a picture of walking in the Spirit. That is a picture of what the abundant life can offer. All those wrong thoughts, all those wrong behaviors, all those wrong feelings that you hate can be demolished. So if you came this morning and you're experiencing some of that junk, the Word of God has the power to break that stuff in you and to replace it with what God wants. Amen? All right. One more reason we study the Word of God. Reason number four. We study the Bible so we can become more like Jesus. We study the Bible so we can become more like Jesus. By the way, that is the goal of the Christian life. <laughs> the goal of the Christian life is to become more and more like Christ. Okay? That, that is the goal. And, 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 and it's to become progressively more and more like Jesus. That process begins... Um, when we become a Christian, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we say, hey, Jesus, I need you to save me from my sin. The moment that the Holy Spirit comes into our life, when, when we become a child of God, at that moment, a process begins in us that doesn't finish until Jesus calls us home. And that process, the big church word for it, I know you guys like big church definitions, is called sanctification. Sanctification. So uh, our, our favorite a systematic theologian, Wayne Grudem. I used him twice last week. Here we go again. Here's how he defines sanctification. He says, Sanctification is a progressive work of God and man. So it's a cooperation with God. It's a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. Okay? Can I ask you a question this morning? 
anybody want freedom from sin? Two people. Should we go back to the stronghold argument? One more time. I know it's early. Anybody want some freedom from sin? Yeah. Anybody want to be more like Jesus? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what studying the Word of God does. It helps us become more like Jesus. And if you don't believe me, then believe Jesus, because He's the one that said it, right? He's the one that said it. So in John 17, uh, Jesus is praying for Himself. He's praying for uh, His disciples. He's praying for people that would believe in Him in the future. And in John 17, He prays this prayer for His disciples. By the way, if you're a Christian, then you're His disciple. So this prayer is for you. John 17, 17. He prays, sanctify them. That's the word. We'll talk about it in a second. He says, sanctify them. He's praying to the Father. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. That's the prayer of Jesus. He's praying for disciples. God, God, sanctify them by the truth. And God, your, your word, that's, that's what's true. Like literally, if we take the definition from Wayne Groom, then he's saying, Father, make them more and more free from sin and make them more and more like me. And God, do it through the truth. And God, your word, that's the truth. God, your word, that's what's going to do it. Your word is what's going to have the power to make them more and more free from sin and make them more and more like me, actually, God. Change them by the power of the Bible. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we show up. That's why we encourage you over and over. Don't just come to church and listen to some dude preach. Like, that's great. I studied the Bible this week, but I didn't just study it for you so that you could leave and only come back next week and then hear what I have to say. No, the Bible is for you individually. You need to study it. God wants to work in you every day of the week, not just on Sunday. All right? So what do we, what do, we do with all of that? All of those reasons for studying Scripture. I think we start with the most basic, uh, just... We commit to regularly studying the Bible. Make a commitment to regularly studying the Bible. And we offer a few ways for you to do that here. Uh, So out at the Welcome Center, if you want to read a chapter a day, uh, we have a Bible study um, card for you. You can read a chapter every day. Uh, and, and so um, Pastor John helps put that together. So we've got, uh, we, we, we've got little cards out there of what, what to study every day. And you guys can keep your own journal. That's awesome. Um, if you, you guys want to study, uh, take a little deeper what I talk about on Sunday mornings. Um, we started three weeks ago a brand new weekly devotional called Digging Deeper. And, uh, and you can, like it, it's, again, it's on our events page. You can scan it there. It'll take you to it. Um, if you use it in our app, if you've got our app, it literally, you click on sermons. And right under sermon notes, it says weekly devotional. You click on it. Really cool. It, 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 it has scripture you can read right there in the app. Um, it, it has fill in the blanks. And uh, I learned this week, uh, we had some technical difficulties. But later in the week, it, it, it actually saves your answers throughout the day. So I, I could bring up my app, and it literally had all of my responses there all through the week. And then at the end of the week, I can click save as a PDF, and it kind of becomes like a digital journal for, for me. And, and again, it's just interacting with the Word of God. Um, we are encouraging, I'm imploring you, y'all. If you want life change, you have to read the Bible. You have to. 
if you want to become more like Jesus, you have to study the Scriptures yourself. Okay, so, so commit to regularly studying the Bible uh, each day. Number two, um, I want to challenge you. This is, this is again, uh, stand firm against the devil. How do you do that? Uh, remember a Scripture. Try to memorize a Scripture. I, I, I'm going to give you a goal, one a week. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If you memorize one a month, that'd be great. Right? I mean, you start to, if you want to memorize 12 Scriptures this year, Hallelujah! That's 12 more than you knew last year. You said, Pastor, who do I start with? If I were you, I would maybe start in some areas that I struggle with, right? That's what I would do. I'd start in areas that I struggle with. So someplace the devil often tempts you, find out what the Word of God says about it, and remember, like, memorize that. Memorize that, okay? Early on, one of the scriptures that I, I just, when I first started following Christ, no temptation has overcome you. Except that which is common to man, right? And if tempted, God will provide a way out. I just had to remember that. I had to remember that like, hey man, this is everybody faces temptation. And that God, because he is good and because he loves me, will always provide a way out. No matter what I'm facing, there is another way. And early on in my walk with Christ, I just had to, I had to remember that. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. This isn't Bible drill. I don't care if you miss a word. I don't care if you summarize that sucker, Okay? Know it. It matters. All right? So I'll challenge you with that. Lastly, uh, I want to challenge you then to, to learn how to study the Bible. Okay? Again, this is all about why to study the Bible. Um, but at some point, you kind of have to learn how to do that. And, and so we kind of have a method here that we really like. Uh, it's observation, interpretation, application. You guys are like, that kind of sounds like how you preach, Pastor. A little bit. But the observations I give you are actually interpretations. I've already observe the text, and, and you say, what does that mean? Well, for instance, uh, if, if you were in a, a passage like John 1.1, 1, 1, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, he was with God at the beginning, right? Uh, Through him all things were made that have been made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. You could kind of start there, and, and you would start with like, uh, in the beginning. And so observation one would be like, hey, there's a beginning. I don't want to steal Jen Slender. Are you using 1.1? One, one? Okay, cool. So, so like, hey, there was a beginning, Okay. My second observation would be like, hey, before the beginning, there's someone, I guess, named capital W-O-R-D, the Word. Seems to be there before the beginning. It says in the beginning was the Word. So the Word was around before the beginning. Okay? And not, not only that, the Word, this third observation, dub, big capital, W-O-R-D, is God, according to this text. Like, wow! Fourth observation. Not only that, the Word is not just God, He's also with God. Hmm? And I'm just, what? We just start working through that, and then eventually we would interpret that. So what you guys get on Sunday morning is the pastor who has chewed on the text and interpreted the text and given it to you and said, hey, here's the most basic understanding of this that everybody could understand, be challenged from teenagers up through adults. Um, so that's, that's my job. That's why you guys pay me. Uh, and, and so, but what you get when it says observation one, two, three, and four, those are actually interpretations of a lot of stuff that I kind of pack into those things. Um, but, uh, so we're going to teach that to you. So at 945, again, you can sign up for that class on the back porch. It would be an awesome way to do it if you're serving. And, and like, again, there's conflict. Just go to our events page. You can watch these digital lessons. They are 100% free, uh, and, and, and they're for you. We want you to know how to study the Bible. It's really, really, really important. So um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we've got a few announcements, and, uh, and we'll let you out of here. And I will have let you out on time, by golly. What? It's good. Okay. Father, um, man, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to talk about it. 
thank you for, for hopefully challenging us um, to understand why it is so important. This isn't a, a sermon just saying, you got to do it, you got to do it. This is a sermon going, this is why you should do it. Why would you not do it if you're struggling? This is the answer. And so God, just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, individually, every person in this room knows where they're struggling. And if part of that lack has to do with not studying your Bible, bring a sweet encouragement and conviction and desire for change. Give every person that wants to be different the power to wake up 15 minutes earlier, to set aside 20 minutes in the day. God, just give us a desire to be like you. Please, Jesus, we ask that in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen.